Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is my daughter and my co-host, Allegra. You may know my mom from The Mom Hour. On this show, we talk about the books, shows, podcasts, and music that our family enjoys together, plus how we discover great media for kids and how we consume it. We also talk about other fun stuff like board games, tablet games, and movies. Today's episode is all about video games and a little bit about virtual reality, and we have a really special guest today. Say hello, Reed. Hello. Reed is here with us today, and he's going to be our guest expert on video games. Come on, Mom. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 18, and we just recently came out of a break. This is our second episode back, and it's about video games. Reed is our guest expert because he knows more about video games than me and Mom, possibly put together. (laughs) Yep, we're really excited to have Reed with us today, and we're going to talk about kind of the difference between um, mobile tablet apps and gaming that way versus uh, console systems, something our family's more recently gotten into. And we're going to talk about virtual reality a little bit, which is which is fun, but a little different. Do you guys think virtual reality kind of falls under video games, or is it different? Um, so virtual reality, there are some games on there that are video game-like, And others that are more educational. Yeah. And how about you, Reed? How do you think virtual reality fits in with the whole video games topic? I agree with Allegra on that. Okay, cool. Well, before we dive in, we are welcoming back our sponsor, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. It's a best-selling book series that you've probably heard of, and it is also a podcast. Yes. And just like us, they're back with new episodes this fall. Season four of the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls podcast is out now, and in this season's episodes, you'll meet amazing immigrant women from all over the planet and how they've changed the world. Allegra, you love learning about different cultures and history, so this is right up your alley. And as a mom, I love having this resource for younger girls like your sister Violet, who is pretty obsessed with the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls podcast. So the latest episode is about Samantha Power, who has like our same last name, minus an S who was born in Ireland and moved to the United States with her mom when she was like nine years old. She was always interested in like reading about mystery series and how all of her favorite characters could solve problems. And she loved telling stories, so she became a journalist. And later in her life, she worked for Barack Obama and eventually served as U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. And that's really cool. Yeah, that was a great episode. Well, if you want to give the rebel girl in your life the confidence to dream bigger, go and find Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, the award-winning educational podcast, wherever you like to listen. Again, it's the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls podcast. Go check it out. Okay, so Reed, remind everybody who hasn't met you um, how old you are and what grade you're in. Um, I'm 10 years old and I'm in fifth grade. And of your peers out there, I know video gaming is really popular. Um, our family did not get a console system like, you know, your Nintendo, your Sega. Is Sega a thing anymore, guys? Uh, I don't really I haven't heard of that think before. so. <laughs> okay. Um, your PlayStation, your Xbox, those are console systems. Um, and people who are my age grew up with the early versions. Um, our family didn't get one until recently. Reed, do you want to maybe talk about um, console systems and maybe talk about when your friends seemed to get into them and when our fi- family finally kind of got on board? Well, my friends got into console systems when we were like in second grade. So pretty early on. But we didn't get one until just a couple months ago. 
Yeah, that was um, that was new for us. We delayed that a little bit. Um, and in those years, uh, we definitely uh, played on iPads and you guys used iPad mobile apps. And we've done some episodes in the past, actually, about some of our favorite apps. So, Reed, why don't you tell everybody what we decided to get for a console system? We got a Nintendo Switch, which is a really cool console because you can play it as a handheld, like you hold it in your hands and press the controls. Or you can take the controls out and hook it up to a TV and then play it like that. So I want to talk about some of the positives of video games, because I think lots of parents have they they already know that they should probably limit the number of hours they their kids play video games. Parents, you know, we want to limit the the maturity level of the video games. Um, most parents agree that we don't want super violent first person shooter video games, especially at younger ages. So I think everybody's you know, everybody's aligned on that. Let's talk about some of the positives and you guys can just throw out what are some of the things that are not just fun, but really like, you know, add some positive things to your life as a kid. I don't know who wants to go first. Well, Minecraft is a tablet game and a um, console game. And Minecraft is really fun. We haven't played it on a console, but it's really fun on the iPad. And me, Reed and Violet, since we are on the same Wi-Fi, we can do collaborative worlds where we can add on to each other's buildings and look forward to building something new, like an upside down house or a zoo or stuff like that. That one's really fun. I'm hearing you say there's some like collaboration between siblings and um, and it's more than just you sitting and like tapping at a screen for an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's creative. So what about you, Reed? What are some of the positives, especially with the new Nintendo Switch? What are some of the things that bring you joy about video gaming? Um, One of the things that brings me joy about the Nintendo Switch is some of the games can be played as multiplayer on the same device. Like you could be playing with like your dad or your sister. You'd like each have a controller and then you'd just be like, with like little characters, like punching each other. Right. So for people my age, this was like the original Nintendo where we had two controllers hooked up and you could play Super Mario with your brother. Mm -hmm. Right. So there is a, what I'm hearing you guys say is there's a social aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. So then how does this work? This is a real question from a mom who doesn't always know. When kids are playing video games online, I'm using air quotes, online with their friends. This has become a big deal in COVID times, right? Because Mm -hmm. we're not seeing our friends. How does that, how does that work? And what are some of maybe the positives and negatives to that kind of social gaming? Well, one of the positives is you could hook up like a FaceTime or a Zoom call with your friend and then also be playing with them. So it's social interaction and you're gaming together which is really fun and you get to talk to your friend and it's not just as boring as just like talking to each other over FaceTime. Yeah. Okay. And we should even back up and say that before we took the plunge and got the Nintendo switch, um, we were using Apple arcade. So anybody who has an Apple TV device, um, does one of you want to kind of explain that was like a gateway to a console system because it, it, you can get it through the Apple TV device, and then we just had to buy a controller, basically. So, Reed, maybe... You don't even have to. You can use your... But some games only work with a controller. Okay, you could actually use your phone. So, uh, 
or, a or the remote, remote that comes okay. with the Apple TV. So, Reed, do you want to kind of explain Apple Arcade? Yeah. So, Apple Arcade is like a library of a lot of games that you can get on an Apple TV for, I think it's a $4 a month subscription. And there are a lot of games. Some of them are multiplayer, some of them aren't. Some of them require like a game controller, some of them you can just play with your Apple TV remote. And they're all really fun games. Okay, so for our family, we've talked about Apple Arcade and we've talked about Nintendo Switch. Um, do you guys want to name some of our favorite family video games? Because so far we've stayed away from anything too mature, anything violent. Um, and and we've tried to focus on these more like fun collaborative games. So Allegra mentioned Minecraft, and that's a favorite. Um, who else? You guys just can kind of take turns and, and make sure you say which system it's for. Um, this is one that's on Apple Arcade. It's called Sneaky Sasquatch. The concept starts out simple. You're a Sasquatch, and you have to sneak around a campground to get food without getting caught by the nasty park ranger who sends you back to your house. So Sneaky Sasquatch is not a game that you necessarily progress levels and win, or is it? Um, not levels, for sure. I guess what I'm getting at is it sounds like it's a game that would be fun to play even if you're not terribly good at it. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I like that. So another game we've been loving on the Switch is Animal Crossing New Horizons. So I've heard a lot about Animal Crossing for a while now. I think when we got the Switch, this was the game that you guys had been hearing all your friends talk about, right? Yeah. And I think Clara, when we had her on, talked about it too. She liked to draw um, characters from Animal Crossing. That's right. That's right. So the basis of Animal Crossing is you are living on a deserted island. And you have to, with the help of some helpful raccoons, build up a society on the island, from, basically from the ground up. It's not like a survival type game. It's more of a building a society game. And the characters are very animated and cute, very. right? They talk like... Can, you, can you, can... you each do an Animal Crossing voice um, impersonation? I think I just did. You sound like a computer. Well, I, I think they're probably made by a computer. But um, you can still understand them because um, they put the words up on the screen. So you have to be able to read mm-hmm. to know what you're doing. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. But just a reminder, we'll link up everything we talked about in the show notes. And there may be some people thinking about a console system um, for the holidays this year. Um, They're pretty hard to get because um, Nintendo's been having a hard time manufacturing. Due to COVID. Due so, to COVID. So look into that. Okay, well, let's talk briefly about virtual reality before we move into what we're reading and what you're reading. Um, I'll just kind of set the stage here. Your father, Brian, dad, um, has loved the concept of virtual reality headsets for a long time. So, but even before they were on the market um, for just individual purchase. Um, and he very patiently waited until there was one he thought would be a really good quality. Um, and you didn't have to buy like a really expensive computer to hook it up to, to. support the Right. It, it stands on its own. So because I'm the least techie here among the three of us, let me describe what this looks like for our listeners. So 
It looks like putting on a giant pair of like black snorkeling goggles, um, like a big headset that goes over your head and in front of your eyes. And the part in front of your eyes is kind of big and blockish and it blocks out everything on the side. Um, and so that's what it looks like from the outside with two handheld um, kind of sensors, just these little plastic things you hold in your hands. And then when you're the person wearing the goggles or wearing the headset, um, it blocks out everything around you and you're basically seeing in kind of virtual 3D whatever you're doing and whatever you're looking at. It's, yeah. It's really, it's quite something. What What's the brand that we have? It's an Oculus Quest. That's the model that we so have. So Oculus has made lo- a couple of different VR headsets and one of them was the R- Oculus Rift. And I think Oculus is made by Facebook. Yeah, I do think Facebook owns Oculus. So you can do different things on the virtual reality headset. You can play games. There's one we really like called Beat Saber, which is almost like if you've played those Guitar Hero and and Dance Revolution, Dance Dance, it's kind of like that where you have to do something to the beat with your body. Only the virtual reality headset makes it seem very real when you're in there and it's really fun. Yeah, and I like, um, so there's a Netflix app The shows aren't in 3D, like you can't look all around and see the show, but um, it does put it onto a huge like movie theater screen. And I like watching like any Netflix show that there is on Netflix. You can just sit down. You don't even have to stand up. You can sit on your own couch. And so I like doing that. And there's cool um, like immersive nature experiences, right, Reed? Yeah. One good feature of the Oculus Quest is you can draw a boundary around yourself so that you don't run into things in the room around you. Yeah, so you basically draw like a circle around everything so that if you go outside of the boundary, grid walls pop up. There's one game called Angry Birds VR that is basically Angry Birds, but in 3D. Like you can go all around the structure and the structure is three-dimensional, and you have to, like, shoot the birds at the structure and knock it down. It's just angry birds, but the structure is three-dimensional, and you can go, like, everywhere around it. I actually did not know that. I mean, I remember you guys getting into angry birds on the tablets, but I didn't know we had angry birds VR. That's pretty funny. Yeah, and then going back to the nature things, um, Ecosphere is really cool. It's made by National Geographic. It's just a video that you watch, so you can't interact with it. So they're just each 15 minutes long, and it teaches you about different areas um, and the animals that live there. Kind of like being in one of those. If you've gone to like a science museum and been in one of those like surround theaters with like yeah, with like a uh-huh. like a three not 3D, but those like yeah. IMAX. Like like uh-huh. it's like having an IMAX theater in front of your eyeballs, kind of. Yes. But where the photography and the videography is so intensely real, and then combined with the fact that you're seeing it in this three-dimensional space. It's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And when I was talking about National Geographic, they also have this one called National Geographic Explore VR, where you are a photographer for National Geographic, and you have to go to the Arctic or Machu Picchu and take pictures of the different things. So, yeah, so pretty educational, definitely um, more active. Dad does his workouts with the VR headset on. He does. So, um, I mean, I know our family has a reputation for being pretty low screen time, which is why I think this is an interesting episode because we're not 
We're not anti-video games. We're just a little bit selective about which ones and when and how often. Do you guys want to briefly talk about our family's uh, rules in terms of quantity? Like how much gaming are you doing per week? Um, it's about two hours per week, one hour on each weekend day, Saturday and Sunday. And that's all we get. Nothing during the week right now. And just, yeah, a, a little bit on the weekend. Um, during the first four or five months of, of COVID, when school was either not happening or barely happening, we did have some time where we had daily video gaming and it was glorious, I think, for you guys. Okay, well, it is time to talk about what we are reading and what you all are reading out there. Reed, as our guest of honor, would you like to go first with what you are reading? Yes. I am reading The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. It's a really great novel about a very rich man who dies and his will claims he is murdered. And there's an elaborate game to see which of his 12 heirs will inherit all of his money. Wow, that almost sounds like Agatha Christie-esque. Yeah. I don't think I ever read that. I, I remember the I name. I want to read it. I think the eighth graders at my school read that book in, like, in class. And did you find that in your classroom library? Yeah. That sounds great. Allegra, what are you reading right now? Um, so I just finished a book called What Not to Do If You Turn Invisible by Ross Welford. And so... I had previously read Time Traveling with a Hamster, also by Ross Welford, and I really liked that. And at the end was a, a clip or like a excerpt, an excerpt from the book, What Not to Do If You Turn Invisible. I usually don't like fantasy books, but this one was really good. Um, OK, well, I am reading The Book of Longings by Sue Monk Kidd. She is the author who wrote The Secret Life of Bees, which was really very popular several years ago. Um, it's a novel. It's a fictional imagining kind of, it's a fictional story set in the biblical time of Jesus, which is a time I don't know a lot about historically. Um, and it's good. So that's The Book of Longings by Sue Monk Kidd. I'm maybe a third of the way through, if that, kind of near the beginning. Um, and then what you all are reading out there. So um, I love this email we got from Catherine in Melbourne, Australia. Guys, we have listeners in Australia. What do you think of that? That's cool. pretty cool. It's very cool. So why don't you guys say hello to Amelia and Lucy? Because that is that is pretty amazing, though. They're listening from Australia. Hi, Amelia. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Amelia. Hi, Lucy. So Catherine, their mom, wrote to us and was talking about um, children's literature and authors based in Australia. So I thought that our listeners could really benefit from hearing about um, the children's book authors that they are loving um, from Australia. So these are two popular Australian children's book series that Catherine sent over. So Amelia, who's five, is loving the Treehouse books by Andy Griffiths and Terry Denton. Um, they're silly and entertaining. I have already read the Treehouse books and I loved them. Oh, good. Did you know they were oh, Australian? are those the like no. um, 13 story treehouse? Like, yeah. Oh, those yeah, are the same ones? I, I've read the 13 story treehouse books. Yeah, I didn't know they were from Australia. Yes. Yeah, you guys totally have read those. And um, I didn't put it together right away that they were Australian. So we're big fans. Right, those aren't graphic novels, right? They're more just like 
illustrated as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember those. Like it's like writing and then drawing and then. And but it's not like funny. a picture book type yeah. thing. Um, and then two-year-old Lucy loves the books written and illustrated by Nick Bland featuring the very cranky bear. So we will link those up in the show notes. Oh, he is a very cranky bear, Nick Bland. So we will link those up in the show notes. Catherine, thank you for listening all the way for, from Australia. And we love featuring Australian authors and illustrators um, to kind of broaden everybody's library. So if you all out there listening um, want to tell us what you and your kids are reading, Allegra, how do they do that? Um, you can email us at hello at kidliteratepodcast.com. And we'd love to get some voice recorded messages. That would be so fun. Yeah, we do like to hear your voice, especially if you have an Australian accent. Just kidding. We all we want to hear your voice no matter what. Well, Reed, thank you so much for being here. Would you like to come back sometime on Kid Literate? Yeah. Okay. And Allegra, this has been fun. Everybody, we will be back in two weeks and we'll talk to you then. Kid Literate is a production of Life Listen. Our sound engineer is Brian Thomas from Yokai Audio. You can find links to everything we mentioned at kidliteratepodcast.com and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Thanks! Thanks!